0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org or on your smart devices podcasting platform. Good morning, and thanks for joining us. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we're doing a health and wellness uh, question and answer session. So I have collected multiple questions over the past couple of months as they've come through um, the Southern Remedy email as well as uh, my personal email and social media and we're going to dig through some of those today but if you want to send me an email that we will add to our pile as we do these shows my email address is fit at mpbonline.org and I'm going to have Kevin help me out a little bit this morning and throw me some of these questions and I will do my best to answer those so I'm going to turn it over to you Kevin
2: all right. Uh, good morning, Josie, and happy holidays to you. Just yeah. take a quick uh, moment here to say thank you for all that you do for us. Uh, you do so much research on this show and always give us such great information on Monday, so we do appreciate uh, what you do for us uh, throughout the year. It really uh, has helped me personally, and I bet you it's helped a lot of folks who listen as well.
1: Well, it is my pleasure. It's one of the highlights of my week. You know, Mondays are not my favorite day of the week, <laughs> but this is the bright spot in my Monday, so I'm happy to be able to, to come out and and um, talk about staying healthy and fit.
2: All right. So question number one says, help, I've been eating a plant-based diet for about a year but have only lost a few pounds. Am I doing something wrong?
1: You know, and that is a you know a question that I work with one on one with patients in clinic. I see it a lot. But first of all, kudos for kind of stepping out into exploring more plant based eating. That um, can be uh, it can often feel a little bit lonely um, when you first start uh, eating plant based. Uh, you may not know anybody who eats this way. Um, family and friends may not be quite so supportive or just kind of look at you funny. Uh, so I just give you first a, a kudos for for doing it. And I wouldn't say that you're doing anything. Wrong, we'd want to look at kind of a little bit deeper dive into what it is that you're eating on this plant based diet. Um, You know, I've uh, famously said that Oreos are vegan, uh, and they are. And so just being plant based or just being vegan or vegetarian or any of these things does not necessarily equal um, low calorie and low fat. Uh, It depends on, again, the source of where we're going, where where our foods are coming from. So if we're doing a lot of um, packaged, processed plant based foods, which that's the buzzword these days, like when you go in the in the grocery store there's a whole plant-based section Um, plant-based is one of uh, these words are just kind of sticking on the front of everything these days things that have always been plant-based and they just say plant-based on them now (laughs) so it's important to think about you know again what did this uh, food start out as and is it being used to imitate something else Um, a lot of the plant based meat alternatives. So you know, your sausages and luncheon meats and um, hamburger patty meats, those kinds of things, while they absolutely can have a a role in your diet, you know, if you just really are jonesing for a burger and a black bean burger just won't do but you don't want to have an animal product, sure, every now and then. But if those are the mainstay of your of your diet of your plant based journey, then you may not lose weight because they are still relatively high in calories, right? We have to remember that plant-based um, usually just means the absence of an animal product. So um, it doesn't mean the absence of fat. Uh, doesn't mean the absence of calories. Uh, it just means that that's, that the things are not derived from, from an animal-based source. Uh, so um, the packaged products are one of the, the big big kind of contributors I see when people are not losing weight on a plant-based diet. Um, one of the other things is too much of a good thing, uh, which it seems kind of counterintuitive. You're like, what? Well, it's so good for me. I can eat a lot of it. But if weight loss is our goal, then they're kind of some – Some hidden um, higher calorie things that if we eat lots of them, we're still gonna probably not lose weight. And that's things like nuts, nut butters, avocados, those types of things, because they are so. Calorie dense; they've got a lot of calories per bite, and so again, doesn't mean don't have them. Absolutely have them. They're wonderful sources of of heart healthy fats, but if again, if weight loss is our goal, then we got to be a little bit careful with with portion. And so I usually tell folks a quarter of a cup of nuts, or two tablespoons of nut butter is all you need in a day if you're trying to lose weight. Um, a lot of folks just kind of keep a bag of nuts beside their chair and just munch on those all day long, and That's a lot of calories to build up. The same with avocados. You know, no more than about, you know, depending on how big your avocado is, a half um, of a medium or a whole small a day is about all we need there. Um, The other is oils. Uh, So um, every oil, regardless of whether it's an animal or a plant oil, so in the case of plant-based eating, it would normally be something like um, an olive oil, an avocado oil, even a coconut oil, even though I don't usually recommend that, um, it's still going to be 120 calories per tablespoon. So if you're using a lot of oils there, then that can kind of keep you from losing weight as well. So start with where you are, write down what you're munching on so that we can get a picture of, oh gosh, look, I did have, you know, kind of frozen processed plant-based foods, five times this week, maybe I should cut back to three, something like that.
2: Uh, just as a quick follow-up, I've uh, eaten some of those uh, ve- uh, vegetarian replacement meat replacement stuff, and one thing one thing I learned from you is g- look on the back of the package yeah. and look at the uh, information. And it is a wide variety, and you can find some ones that have some lesser calorie, but you do have to do a little snooping and not just grab the first thing out of the out of the cooler.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and you know they will be cholesterol free. Uh, they should be relatively low in saturated fat as well, but they. They, they want them to taste good. So they normally have a lot of salt added to them and some other fats added in to give you that kind of good mouthfeel. So kind of an every now and then, not an everyday thing.
2: All right. Question number two asks about canola oil. What is it and is it healthy?
1: This question, it makes me smile because it actually came from um, a colleague. I was uh, doing a show on or getting ready for a show on fats and I was talking about different types of oils and she said, what is a canola? And I thought, huh, what is a canola? So I went on the search of what is a canola. So it is a plant, um, and canola oil comes from the seed of that plant. In my head, I had it as like a nut. It is not. It is a seed. Um, And it is actually um, from Canada. So that's where the canola comes from, right? The C-A-N is from Canada. Ola is oil, canola. But it is part of the family of canola. crucifers or cruciferous vegetables, which when we think about cruciferous vegetables, we think about cabbages and broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts, those kinds of things. And if you've ever let um, a, a plant like that like if you have planted broccoli or um, greens or anything like that in your garden and you've let it it's gotten too hot and you kind of let it go and it bolts think about the little flowers that come off the top are usually yellow and that is the same for the canola plant those little yellow um, flowers and then there are seed pods in there and those are are prepped and, and squished and extracted from the oil um, so the question of is it healthy again all boils down into what you're trying to to get, right? What what your your health goal is. Um, it is one of the top four oils that is consumed in the U.S. Uh, so we use soybean, canola, palm, and corn are the the big four that we use here. And all of those oils um, usually undergo a process that is often abbreviated RBD, which is refined, bleached, and deodorized. Which Sounds lovely. Um, but it is how they are, are processed, right? So all of these are refined oils. Um, the R stands for refined, meaning the crushing of the seed or, or you know, whatever the, the nut we're trying to get something out of. Um, bleaching kind of pulls some of the particles off of it and those types of things. And then deodorized is what gives it the very bland taste, right? Like if you taste canola oil, it doesn't taste like anything. It just tastes slippery. Um, And that is on purpose um, because that is what consumers wanted. They wanted a very bland um, tasting something. Compare that to like a cold pressed olive oil, which has a lot of flavor to it because it does not undergo that deodorizing process. So what happens during that process is um, some of the the changes that shift some of the healthier parts of it. Um, Canola has been kind of touted as healthy for a while because it is very low in saturated fat, right? It's a vegetable oil. So it's only about 7% saturated fat. And it contains a a significant amount of omega three fatty acids, which are good for the heart. Uh, Also contains what we call phytosterols, which help to um, reduce the absorption of cholesterol from the gut. So all of those are good things. When we use a lot of it, or we heat it repeatedly we start to see some issues with it okay so there is trans fat in um in canola oil even if the front of the bottle says no trans fat right because if it's got um a half a gram or less per serving then you can call it trans fat free but a serving is only a tablespoon, right? And most people are going to use a whole lot more than a tablespoon. So you got to multiply that, right? Um, So there is some trans fat in there. And the more the oil is heated, the more the kind of good for us um, um, uh, components of it get turned into trans fat, the longer and and the hotter you use that. So if you're going to use canola oil, say, to fry, which is perfectly fine, I wouldn't do that repeatedly, the the repeated exposure, you know, use it and dump it um, if you're going to do it that way, and then consider the serving size there. So my stance on oil is any of the oils. We shouldn't be using enough of them that it really matters. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. And we're going through my mailbag and answering health and wellness questions today. Our phone lines are also open if you'd like to chat with us. And we do have a caller hanging on the line for us. Someone go over to Mobile and say good morning to Mikey. How can we help you?
3: Good morning. Thank you for all you have done for me this past year. And best may we all have blessed. May the blessings be for this coming one.
1: Well, thank um, you for that and thank you for calling me. It's always a blessing to talk with you.
3: <laughs> thank you. Um uh, I have a question mm-hmm. regarding uh the the and I want I'm so glad you answered right away because uh the oil thing. Mm-hmm. Um first of all, I don't fry a lot. Mm-hmm. I just got an air fryer. Good. So, um, haven't worked it out yet, but we're going to see what happens right yep. um but uh my my question is if you're going to saute um or, or do something like that, uh, I know of an author who 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 suggested uh, it was called a no cholesterol cookbook mm-hmm. and um and, and no cholesterol, no kidding um and uh I don't necessarily have a problem with cholesterol, but I have friends who want to watch, right. you know, and it, it doesn't hurt me to go along with it. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and a lot of what is used, uh, as far as I know, in that is um, uh, dry cooking sherry, mm-hmm. uh, cream sherry. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I love the taste of it because it has that wonderful nutty flavor to it. But it uh, it is alcoholic. Right. It is an alcohol drink alcohol-based, first of all, um, are there any warnings, particularly if you're cooking with people who, some have, you know, in a group, some are going to have alcohol sensitivities. Mm -hmm. Some are not. Mm -hmm. Some are going to
1: have more cholesterol sensitivities. Um, So, uh, help me out. Yeah. (laughs) So, if you're cooking with it, like sauteing with it, then all of the alcohol content should burn off um and you just kind of be left with concentrated um flavor of you know grape or whatever the um you know the 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 liquor that's based out of um so shouldn't so much be a concern about the actual alcohol content now there are some uh, people who don't want any type of alcoholic product used in their food or who just simply don't uh keep that on the shelf at their house. So uh, my preference for sautéing is actually with um, stock or water. Um, those are the, the, the water works just fine. Uh, but I use stock as well. I actually keep um, some low sodium stock cubes that I'll use for that. Um, and you just Put your food in the in a dry pan, um, let it start to get a little brown or, you know, a little caramelized around the edges. And then you just kind of toss in a little bit of um, you know, a tablespoon or two of liquid at a time so that it unsticks and you can saute perfectly fine. So you can Google water saute or stock saute um, and it'll tell you more about that. But that's my preference. That's how I do all my sauteing because um, you're not tasting the oil or the butter really in that particular process. So that's not where I spend my oil calories.
3: But you do taste that nuttiness uh-huh. of the cherry, yeah. And so that's that's why it seems to me that that does sound like a preferable option.
0: Yeah,
1: it can be. Um, but a good quality stock will also kind of give you that that umami flavor you're kind of looking for that that savory oh, yeah. flavor. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yes, ma'am.
1: All Thank right, you. you're welcome, Mikey. Thank you so much for giving us a call. All right, Kevin, we got another mailbag question.
2: Yes, we do. This one is asking about uh, some nutrition tips. For older Mississippians, those in the over 62 range, which I am now in myself.
1: All right. Well, you know, the good news is we don't have to necessarily eat differently uh, than we would when we are younger. Now, if we're having dentition issues, meaning maybe we... um, we don't quite have quite as many teeth as we used to, or they're, you know, hurting or pain, then you may look at things that are, are softer um, in terms of that. So more soups or stews or things that you can bake and mash that type of thing. Um, but what we all need, regardless of our age, but especially as we're getting older is fiber, right? As we age, um, our, our gut, kind of slows down a little bit. And so we can start to have more problems with constipation as we get older. And so making sure that we've got one adequate hydration, so we're drinking enough plain water, um, as well as having enough fiber based foods um, is really important to keep that gut health on track, right? And then in terms of vitamins and minerals, that's where all of your phytonutrients are, are are in your fiber foods, right? Because Fiber is only in plants, right? There's not a fi- there's not fiber in an animal-based um, product, so unless it's been artificially added in there. But like your cow is not coming with with fiber in it. So if there was one thing that I would recommend people um, think about how to consume as they get older, it is more fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, uh, and Uh, It does not have to be fresh. Uh, It can be frozen. It can be canned. Um, I know access can be a problem as well as limited income and those kinds of things. Um, There's actually... um a cookbook that uh, our medical students have put together that's called um, dollar store diner and it has uh, rest all the recipes in it are from um, the dollar general it's like everything you can get in there um, and they're chock full of uh, fruits veggies and whole grains um, so that that would be kind of my one tip of how do you, you know what do we need to be eating moving forward it's just more plants
2: a quick follow-up on the fiber. I finally, uh, after searching through the cereal aisle endlessly, I found a cereal that has low added sugar mm-hmm. and has some fiber to it. So I finally found something to munch on in the morning because a lot of the cereals that are that I I thought, like Cheerios, for example, I'll eat them dry. They taste fine. But somehow when I put them in milk, they just don't taste very good. And I'm it's a like, little bit
1: like wet cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I like them with, um, I throw some dried fruit in mine and that, that kind of sweetens it up a little bit.
2: Yeah, the one I found has uh, raisins and dates in it, and so Yum. I say it's uh, so I'm I'm onto it, love it. But uh, again, I did that because I looked at the label because I've listened to Josie over the years.
1: <laughs> that makes that's my that's my Christmas present right there. I love hearing that because it is so important to flip that sucker over and see what's on the back of it. It tells you the true story. All well, right, yeah, I think we got a physical activity question. Maybe
2: we do indeed. This one says I've been doing some light walking as a warm up before lifting weights. Is that okay, or shall I try something else?
1: Oh, if, it's, if you enjoy it and it works for you, that's fine, right? So a warm up um, is a very important part of our uh, kind of fitness journey. It kind of gets the blood going to all of our muscles. And it's like, hey, we're fisting to do some stuff. So get ready. Um, And it really only has to last about five or 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be super lengthy. um, But it is important. And so a walk can be a great way to do that. If you get bored with it, though, um, it doesn't have to be the only way that you can warm up, you can cut the radio on and and dance around for a couple of songs. You know, again, five minutes is a, a great warm up there. Um, if you're looking for something a little bit more structured, then there are some kind of movements that you can do right in your your own home um, or at the gym before you you know you hit the treadmill or whatever it is you're, that you're doing. One of my favorites is called alternating reach and so that's where you're kind of just standing straight with your feet kind of hip width apart so you're just standing there and your hands at your sides and you're going to reach your right hand overhead and kind of transfer your weight to your left leg this is where video would be helpful but um, essence you're just reaching overhead and transferring your weight to one side and then repeating it on the other right and so you know 10 to 15 of those, um, and then switching it to go across your body. So where you're not taking your hands up over your head, you're taking your hand in front of your body, right? That's good because what we're trying to do with a warm-up is to activate all the big muscle groups, right? So our shoulders and our arms, our chest and our core, our you know glutes and hamstrings, and then um, our lower legs as well. Um, And you can do, um, again, we want to do 5 to 10 minutes of this. Alternating knee lifts are another really good one. Um, Sometimes people call this marching in place, but it's a little bit higher. I want your knee to come up a little bit more, almost to where um, your knees kind of parallel with your um, hip. But again, just up and down, alternating those legs, right? Again, 10 to 15 of those. Um, Lunges, either going forward or stepping back. Um, right so you step forward and kind of lunge down or step back all of those and you can just put those on repeat for five to ten minutes so you do one set of you know 10 to 15 of each one of those um, and then repeat it as many times as you need to to get to that five to ten minutes of warm-up there but absolutely walking's fine um uh, a little bit of um, stationary bike can actually be a good little warm-up as well. Again, five to ten minutes there. All right, we've got a caller on the line going down to Biloxi and say good morning to Craig. Craig, how can we help you today?
0: Good uh, I'd like to ask about enzymes and if they are destroyed with cooking or canning.
1: Enzymes?
0: Yes, I, and I, 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 there's really not a lot of, Talk about them, but I know Jacqueline, the juice uh, man, used to talk enzymes all the time.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of things that can uh, be decreased or cooked out of food when we overcook things. Usually it's more your vitamins and your minerals that will get depleted when we overboil things, as well as um, like if we sear meat at too high of a temperature and it gets kind of that black crusty area on it it actually creates a different compound that negates all the the health benefits of the thing that we were eating so i'm not one of those that thinks we have to have completely raw um, diet because that is a movement out there Um, but not cooking things to death um, is a good strategy for trying to maintain as many of the nutrients and um, uh, important uh, parts of that food kind of going forward I hope that.
0: Yeah, I could. Yeah. I took everything on, on uh, very low heat. If I can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. All right, Craig, thank you so much for giving us a call today. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, and we've been answering your questions about health and wellness today. We've been going through some emails that I've received as well as taking your calls. Kevin, let's get back to our list of questions.
2: All righty. This one is Can I get some physical activity? tips for those of us with hand, shoulder, knee, and ankle arthritis. I'm old but still want to be active.
1: I, I giggled a little bit when she kept listing all the different things that, that hurt on her and I thought same. You know I've got um, little aches and pains and things um, around. I have some arthritis in my knees as well uh, and so the, the tendency is to not move when we have joint issues, uh, because it can be uncomfortable. But lack of movement is almost never the answer unless your um, healthcare provider has specifically limited your mobility, like put you in a boot or a cast or put you on some kind of bed rest or non weight bearing um, type of restrictions, simply having a lack of movement, um, because we have joint pain, Is uh, kind of a short term benefit, but a long term um, negative because the more we don't use things, the less uh, range of motion we have, the less um, strong our muscles are, and that actually makes joint pain worse, right? So um, when we have arthritis, um, you know, a joint is where two or more bones meet and And rotate around each other in some plane of motion, right, whether it be um, backwards and forwards like our um, knee joint does, whether it be truly a rotational degree like our head, you know, it can go forward, back, side to side um, and swivel. Um, uh, our spine, you know, has differing degrees of mobility, the biggest being, um, in our lumbar spine where we actually can bend over and do things. Um, so where all those joints meet, um, there's usually cartilage, which covers the ends of those joints. And then there's fluid in the, um, in the joint space to kind of help things cushion. As we get older, sometimes that fluid level goes down. The cartilage gets kind of worn away. And when we stand up, especially on these big joints, or we use some of our other joints like our shoulder joint more, those ends rub together and they don't have that kind of protective cartilage layer in. Um, overlying it and it hurts. Right? So one of the ways, because I can't regrow that cartilage, well, one of the ways to help decrease that pain is to strengthen the muscles around it. So then when when it is used, either by standing, walking, um, you know, brushing your hair, all the activities of daily living, when you're using that joint, there's less gravitational pressure on it because the muscles around that joint keep the ends from rubbing together quite so much. So think about first... Always check with your healthcare provider before you start an exercise regimen, right? In particular, if you have something like arthritis. So we can make sure that you don't have any particular limitations there. Um, but think about range of motion exercises, right? These can be done um, when you're seated. Uh, so just literally sitting in a chair and raising your hands over your head and putting them back down, right? That is keeping a good range of motion, good motion and mobility of that shoulder joint. Um, rolling your shoulders forward and backwards, right? Those are all forms of movement to keep the joint active, right? Um, sitting in your chair, you can kind of raise your leg up, kind of like you're, you know, you're straightening your leg out in front of you and pulling it back down, right? Those can be done completely seated. Then strengthening exercises, which can be done in the gym, right? But they don't have to be, right? They can be done completely body weight exercises. And I've talked about that a lot on the show. And I'll talk a little bit more about it. I think we've got another question coming up that um, will answer some of those things. But in terms of aerobic activity, right, the stuff that gets our heart beat up a little bit and is good for cardiovascular health, when we have joint issues, we want to look for low energy impact activities okay so what exactly does that mean well think about walking versus jogging right walking is a much lower impact on the joint than jogging or running right where you're actually kind of slapping into the ground when you do those kinds of things Um, the amount of incline right so walking on completely flat ground is going to be way lower impact than on an incline or a decline, right? So maybe walking on a completely flat treadmill instead of your hilly neighborhood might be a better option there. Um, Swimming and bicycling are great options. I I can't praise water more um, as a form of exercise for low impact and for people with joint issues, An elliptical is also a lower impact um, type of uh, way to exercise. But in general, we don't want both feet to leave the floor at the same time, right? When both feet leave the floor at the same time, it's really more of a jump. And that is very much considered high impact. So we want to avoid any kind of um, uh, high impact aerobics or dance that involves both feet leaving the floor at the same time. Right. Um, Other kind of gentle forms of exercise like a yoga or a Tai Chi can be really great in not only um, keeping your joints nice and healthy, but also improving your balance, which is really important as we um, get older, um, so that we're less likely to fall and injure ourselves there. Um, also think about uh, really going, going slow when you start out exercising. Um, you can apply a little bit of heat before, especially if your joints are, you know, if they're really uncomfortable. I would caution you not to take like extra like pain medication before, because that can often mask if something is really, really hurting you while you're exercising right like if something is above the level of pain you normally feel or it's sharp or stinging anything like that those are are your signs to stop doing that okay right? um and so if we take a bunch of medicine beforehand that can kind of blunt that um as well as icing afterwards so applying some cool compresses um if your joints are kind of mad at you after you're um active 15 to 15 minutes um of cool compresses or ice don't ever put plain ice against your plain skin, um, because you can actually get an ice burn there. So you'd want to wrap it in like a tea towel or something like that, or use one of the commercially available kind of ice packs that you can kind of break that have a layer of protection in between them and your skin. All right.
2: All right. The next one is, I don't have access to weights, but want to do some strength exercises. What are some easy ways to do that at home?
1: Well, your body is your perfect set of resistance um, weight. So putting your um, putting force against your body weight is a form of resistance, right? We've talked on the show about um, kind of wall push-ups or incline push-ups where you kind of stand, um, uh, you know, kind of – I usually start people at about 12 inches away from the wall um, and have their hands on the wall and push off. That's a good one. Um, one of the other ones that is really um, good – Again, thinking about big muscle groups, right? When we're trying to exercise from a strength perspective, we want big muscle groups. So that wall push-up would get kind of your chest and shoulder type areas. But what about your lower extremities? Because you'll often see people talk about squats, right? And a squat is a great exercise, but it can be very intimidating if you have kind of low um Low strength in your legs. So, one of my favorite ones is called a chair stand because, again, we're thinking about what are the muscles we're exercising here. And if I'm trying to exercise the muscles in the top part of my leg, those are the muscles we use when we stand up, right? And being functionally mobile is really important, right? I'm trying to keep you at home and well for as long as I can. And so, being able to get up and out of a chair is an important skill as we get older so a chair stand is, it does not mean stand in your chair okay that is a, a whole trip to the emergency room waiting to happen this is get a chair right sit in it um you know back like sit up straight don't hunch over um and kind of cross your arms over your chest so that you have um less uh, likelihood of using your arms to push you up because again I'm trying to exercise your legs um, and kind of stagger your feet a little bit so where one foot maybe is a you know three or four inches kind of in front of the other one and then stand up from that chair oh Kevin just did it in the booth right Um, and it can seem like that's super easy but you know If you're new to movement and new to exercising, it may not be um, that easy. And as you get better and better at that, it may be where you don't sit all the way back down in the chair, right? Like you kind of stop and hover a little bit. Um, But uh, 8 to to 12 of those is one set. And so you can do a couple sets of those um, throughout your day. Um, their, uh, heel raise is another good one, right? So the chair stand, um, was working the top part of our leg, right? If we want to work the bottom part of our leg, then we have to think about how we exercise our calf. Um, and you'll see these called calf raises or heel raises, and this is pretty much where you just stand, And then you step up on your toes, right? And you hold it for a couple of seconds and then you go back down on your um, flat on your feet, right? And so you're tightening your calves. You're also tightening your butt a little bit too, right? So we're getting some of that glute workout there. Um, You can cross your arms over your chest, you can put your hands on your hips, all of those other kinds of things. Um, If you're worried about balance, I always recommend keeping like a either doing this right beside the wall where you can touch the wall or a chair right beside you that you can hold on to um, as you do that. Again, eight to 12 of those is a set and do a couple of sets of those um, and move on. And while you're standing up there, right, you can also do what we call a standing leg lift where you're standing and you take your leg out to the side a little bit, right? Like think about making a snow angel, um, but just with the bottom part of your body and not both legs at the same time, one leg at a time. okay? Um, And you'll take that leg out uh, and then bring it in, right? So slowly out to the side, pause a little bit and then bring that back in and you'll uh, you can do all um, all on the right side and then rest and then do all on the other or you can alternate whichever one um, floats your boat Uh, but again eight to twelve is what we call a rep and a rep is a number of times we're doing something and then those are in sets so like if you do it eight times that's one set if you do it 16 times that's two sets Um, and you have a little bit of pause in between there Thanks for joining us this morning here on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Josie Bidwell. We've been answering your health and wellness questions today. Kevin, let's go back to the mailbag and see what we've got.
2: All right. Uh, this one is about sleep. It says, I've tried everything, Benadryl, Unisom, Ambien, still having trouble falling asleep. What else can I do?
1: Well, that's a very common um, complaint. Insomnia is one of the most common um, reasons for people to go to uh, a health care provider. Um, and there are a variety of things that we can do. The, the first step is try and figure out the underlying reason that we're not that we're having difficulty falling asleep, right? Do we have a lot of um, stress and anxiety going on? Is it difficult to kind of get your brain to, to shut off and go to sleep? Um, uh, is it that uh, there's a lot of noise in your particular area? Maybe the TV's on, all of those different kinds of things. Um, but, one of the most underutilized techniques, and it's actually first line treatment for insomnia, is something called cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBT-I. Okay? And so cognitive behavioral therapy is a, a skill set that has been used for a long time um, for a variety of conditions. We tend to think of it as being used for anxiety and for depression, um, for panic and that type of thing. Um, But it has great evidence in insomnia and it is um, a special like there's special training for your healthcare providers that that do that. Um, And it really goes into getting an exploration of kind of the unhelpful thoughts that we have when we're trying to fall asleep. I know you've had them. If you hadn't been able to go to sleep, you've been thinking, oh, gosh, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. I'm not going to feel good. There's no point in me laying here. I'm never going to go to sleep. All of those kind of stinking thinking thoughts that happen in there that um, can kind of perpetuate and get into a cycle. Um, some different kind of behavioral interventions that are things like relaxation training and helping to adjust your um Environment that you sleep in, lots of different techniques. And so you can ask your healthcare provider about that. You can also search for what we call digital CBTI. There are apps that help with that, um, that help kind of move you through this process there. All right, we've got a caller on the line. We'll go talk with uh, Sarah. Good morning, Sarah. How can we help you?
0: I'm uh, having lower back pain. Okay. I went. To the gym. I was fine before. <laughs> I think I perhaps overdid it. Yes, ma'am. Up until that point, I had been able to uh, walk erect. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> after that gym, the next day, I only, I in order to get relief from my pain, I'm bending forward.
1: Mm, okay.
0: And I, uh, I don't take medicines uh i've applied heat and i've applied cold i've uh, done some yoga moves i lie on the uh, floor and uh, stretch my back yes ma'am but none of those things have have helped should i go and see the uh a joint of uh, I- have it x
1: ray or you should absolutely go in and have that taken care of you've done all the conservative things that we would tell you to do at home so now it's time to get a accurate diagnosis i think you can start with your regular health care provider there or see an orthopedic specialist And goodness, guys, we're all out of time for today. You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. It's a production of MPB Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Southern Remedy is produced by Kevin Farrell and the podcast producer is Jermaine Flood. Tune in to MPB Think Radio every weekday morning at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.